Welcome back to the show, everybody. This week's guest is amazing. We have Chi Amsterdam from Truffles Therapy, a retreat center offering psilocybin truffles in Amsterdam. And I had a wonderful conversation with Chi, and this was actually, I think, a couple months ago, but I've just had so many podcasts in the can, as they say in the biz, that uh, I, I wasn't able to release this until today. Um, I was thinking about releasing, you know, two episodes a week, but I just don't have time to do that stuff. As everybody knows, I do this show solo on my own. It's all me. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit of a control freak and I'm unwilling to give up the reins to anybody else, but maybe that's a good decision. So stay tuned for that. Some changes coming to Mike Adelic. I think we're going to make things a little bit more, I don't know, professional, I guess. It's a scary word to me. When people call me sir, I get freaked out, mister, uh, just, just not into it. So you know, I've always kept the show kind of raw and whatever and just kind of on my own and doing it my way, but um, the time has come. The show has grown too much. I can't take on all of the responsibilities. So if anybody that's listening that's out there wants to help with the show, uh, I can pay you in mushrooms. Uh, <laughs> no, but really, um, and just reach out to me, message me, go to my website, fill out the contact form on there, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, Mikeadelic underscore podcast on Instagram. I'm always on there. Uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway, this was a great conversation I had with Chi, brother from another mother. I just feel like I related to him so, so much. I loved everything that he was saying. I think we had a great conversation. I think you guys are going to love it too. Shout out to our sponsors. We got Hemp Bombs. Go there, get CBD stuff. They got tons of crazy CBD stuff, and you can buy it anywhere. They'll ship it anywhere in the United States. Um, it's hemp-derived CBD, and uh, I personally like the gummies. I think the gummies are the best of their products. I love those gummies. So go check that out, hempbombs.com. Enter the code MIKE15 for 15% off. Go to Synchro for all your keto, plant-based nutrition products. Uh, they got some good stuff over there, and I think some deals going on right now. But if you enter the code MIKEADELIC, you get 20% off. And then also Navigating Psychedelics, the comprehensive psychedelic course put on by my friends Joe and Kyle of Psychedelics Today. All the links are in the show notes. All the links are in the show notes. I stacked the show notes for you guys. So you got tons of links for Chi. You got tons of links for me. You got tons of links for B, E, C, D. I just wanted to rhyme. That didn't make any sense. Just bear with me. Oh, that rhymed. Finished it off. Okay. But we have uh, all the sponsors in the show notes as well. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Chi Amsterdam of Truffles Therapy. What a great guy. Absolutely. Uh, just such a pleasure, such a thrill. And um, now speaking with him in this great group that I have, shout out to Decriminalize California, to Ryan. Big shout out, of course, obviously, to Decriminalize Denver, the, the psilocybin initiative um, and uh, the Denver psilocybin initiative here. Uh, as we have decriminalized psilocybin mushrooms and are moving towards the next steps 
So really excited to work with all the people that I've been coming in contact with since I've been here and making some big things happen. The NOAC Society, Veterans for Natural Rights, Psychedelic Club of Denver, uh, Good Cinema, all these wonderful people, Innate Path. Uh, we're going to have a great episode with Raphael Lancelotta from Innate Path about ketamine therapy, 5-MeO-DMT, and just all kinds of stuff because he's another great guy too. But this week's guest, he's a professional psilocybin retreat host, longtime practicing Buddhist, and uh, just an awesome, awesome man, uh, Chi Amsterdam. And uh, we talk about his incredible journey, uh, and uh, you'll hear it from him. So take it away, Chi. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. on vacation in the uh, Canary Islands, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's uh, it's really... We needed to get out of the cold and get into the sun a little more, you know? I mean, sun helps me vibrate at this... I mean, all the cells in my body just feel super happy. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, it's everything, right? I mean, you... You wonder why people of uh, of the ancient worlds worship sun gods. You know, it's like pretty apparent <laughs> how nourishing it it's, is. It's, yeah, it's life, you know, and this is the first winter in Amsterdam I've been through in five or six years. And I can see how people get depressed in cold, dreary places. Like, we all need the sun. The sun gives us vitamin D. It's like life. It just, it helps us vibrate. You know, basically helps us vibrate. Yeah, yeah. totally. I I, uh, I just recently moved to Denver, Colorado, um, but I used to live in New York City for the past uh, eight years or so, and I I struggle with depression my whole life. And just being in New York in those winter months, it's gray and angry and <laughs> dark. And I am uh, out here; it's still cold, but the sun is shining, which is makes a huge difference. I, I no longer feel that that level of depression anymore yeah yeah it's really nice yeah depression depression seems to be this kind of i mean in our work just every day is just people left and right just depressed you know and yeah it's like this kind of it's like everything is moving so fast with ai and technology now and i think I mean, me being 30 and relatively tech savvy, I feel overwhelmed with technology nowadays. It just, it's like, it's just speeding way past me 
And all these 20 year olds are like so fast with the computer. I go, wow, like I, I don't know what's happening in the world anymore. <laughs> I you know, know it's pretty crazy. Me too. I, I, I like to consider myself like pretty on top of things, but it's like, it's just too much. It's, and it's, and it pr- drags you away from like what's really important, you know, is yeah. connecting with other people. I mean, thankfully, you know, we're using technology right now to connect. I mean, I'm not physically in your presence, but it's good to, to see you, to hear you. And then, you know, the stuff that we're going to talk about is really important work. Um, so I guess might as well, we might as well start there. So Chi, yeah. How did you um, get started doing uh, truffle therapy and uh, truffle therapy retreats in Amsterdam. What led you to this this project? Mm. Well, I would say eons of karma. <laughs> um, it's really I spent most of my twenties just in and out of Buddhist retreats, and that was amazing and beautiful, and helped me release so much trauma and tension. And yet I still felt like something was missing. You know, I was still trying too hard to be a meditator or something like that. And, and yeah, just, I rejected psychedelics for first 28 years of my life. And then it just started calling. And my first journey was five tabs of acid in San Francisco in my room. And that completely blew. Yeah. It was my first psychedelic experience and it just, (laughs) <laughs> like nothing can nothing can prepare a person for psychedelics basically <laughs> right yeah right it's so beyond this world and i was so mistaken on how powerful these things were and since that time it's just been mushrooms and truffles and it's just been calling me more and more and the more i surrendered and listened to this call the more it just initiated me into this world and yeah, now my life is just, it's just so full of blessings and abundance. And it's like the mushrooms just have accepted me into their world and to, you know, trust me to represent them in society and to find ways to help them grow. And yeah, I just feel really honored. And it's just a privilege just to be able to serve the great kingdom and the masters. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you're, you're taking orders from the uh, cosmic eternal mushroom lobby of, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God, the it ambassadors. Really, yeah. <laughs> it, it literally is literally taking orders, yeah. you know, the mushrooms show me their visions and, and sometimes it's so overwhelming at how it, infinite the work is like just to be an ambassador and to just really put my head on the chopping block and just go out there regardless of my reputation you know how people say things left and right and and it's such a it's really paradoxical because the more i do mushrooms and truffles the more i become like a child in a certain way, the more I'm like, oh my God, I don't know anything and I just want to play around and have fun. And yet at the same time, the more I become like a child and open to people's traumas, the more responsibility that just the mushrooms are just saying like, yep, ready for more. And it just pours there's responsibility on. And so sometimes it's like, so I have so much self-doubt, you know, it's like, but I'm just, I'm, I'm a kid, you know, is how I feel. 
yeah, then it's just being like, okay, fine. Yeah, just whatever you want me to do, mushrooms. And yeah, whatever your marching orders are, uh, I will I will fulfill them as my attitude. Yeah, I can uh, I can relate to that. Um, and uh, it's it's I've had several mushroom experiences that I felt like, wow, this is really like a symbiotic relationship here. This is like an intelligence that's communicating to me and they... They have, you know, I think Terrence McKenna used to say, like, you know, they have a plan, they have an agenda, you know, and it's like, there's, they're, they're wanting to, you know, reach out and, and connect more people and get people involved. I mean, I'd love to hear, like, from your perspective, what were those experiences like for you, uh, you know, feeling that, that mushroom energy communicating with you, um, and what were they saying and what were they telling you or you know, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't appear as in you know language that we can understand. But what were some of the yeah. feelings and emotions and thoughts that were associated with that? I mean, it really is like this. Sometimes it feels like it's this alien species that just enters the body, or I'm more and more. It's like I'm entering its field, and it's just like taking me. Um. And yeah, I'm just amazed that, I mean, I started today with just a one gram uh, little mushroom journey and just the one gram, you know, it's not a lot, but just the way it opens up the body and helps us feel our heart, like the tension in our heart, you know, like what's, what's stuck in there and the stomach and how much tension we just hold in these places and the shoulders. And it's like this kind of de-armoring it's this kind of letting us know that we're safe and that we can open up and feel emotions and and yeah just man the emotions just it's it's literally the entire range from the deepest rage like black rage and uh just pure sadness and so many tears to just pure bliss and light and love and it just comes in these waves and just this understanding and also laughter just maniac many laughter <laughs> like a maniac just from this place that is like wow what a cosmic joke you know <laughs> yeah. we have all this we feel all this suffering and it's so real and at the same time it just can dissolve and disappear like it was nothing and so and we're we're all fighting to survive and to thrive and be successful in this world, but none of it really matters, and we take ourselves so seriously. So it's this kind of understanding how insignificant we are and also understanding how important the message is to share with with the rest of the world and to connect. You know, we're it's really returning to nature, connecting with nature and realizing that we are nature and that um, you know, people who want, like, you know, basically corporations, governments, they don't really want us connected with nature because being connected with nature means that we're content, we're peaceful, we're joyful, we have family, um, we love one another, and then we don't want to fight, and then we don't fight each other for money and status and power, and we all work together to consume less and to uh, take care of the earth instead of raping and pillaging it. So. It's, it's really understanding like what we're a part of and then just realizing how powerful the system is that we're in and also how we just got to struggle to 
to see through it and to get out of it and to show other people that, yes, the system has you in its grips and you better wake up before the machines take you, basically. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was, yeah. Um, Chi, I'm just going to take you off video because I'm noticing the Skype is doing a little skipping. Um, Sorry, but uh, you'll you'll hear my voice. Okay. Sure. Um, But yeah, everything you said, uh, I resonate with like, so much it's um and and it's it's so true you know um i i i think that you know whatever has happened you know it's almost you brought up the child right like the child's mind getting back to that that state and it's such a wonderful state when you get back to that because everything just feels real and alive and in the moment and fresh and new and novel and exciting and that's those are all the things that we, I think, really want to feel all the time. But this sort of illusionary world that has been, uh, that we've helped, I guess, create as well, you know, by participating in and, and, and so forth and so on. But uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, when a child sees something really shiny, like a shiny object, and it gets obsessed with it. You know, my, I have a nephew who just, he's obsessed with the iPhone. It's like, oh, no, you know, like, you know, because that's not, that's not good. You don't want a kid to be doing that. But it's almost like our, our species collectively got obsessed with this idea of, like, progress and innovation and, like, material creation. We've, we've really loaded up the chips on the table for the ego and we totally forgot everything else. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we need to sort of get back to balance here because we're, we're overextending ourselves. And then what you're seeing is people saying, I'm depressed. I'm, I have anxiety. I'm stressed. I, you know, I have suicidal thoughts. I'm, I, you know, I'm struggling. We have traumas and we're not allowed to talk about them, you know? So uh, I'm sure you hear, a lot of stuff like that, you know, running uh, this this retreat center, uh, people coming for for healing to to wake up, as yeah. you said, to wake up from the the matrix from the machine, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's really about that. I think how we have to move forward is we have to create space for conversations to happen and for everyone's voice to be heard. Um. And for everyone to feel like they're part of something that they can contribute to something. And, you know, like they just, I mean, they do studies on kids and what they want to be and, 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 uh, what they're chasing from a young age. And still the top, uh, things they chase is still fame and money. And so it's, it's this kind of people want to be seen and they want to feel significant and, if we only give platforms to famous people or celebrities or, you know, people who somehow have sold their souls in a certain way or people who are part of institutions, then ordinary people don't feel like they're being heard. And so, yeah, I mean, our work is all about creating safe spaces for people to be able to express themselves and laugh and cry, just laughing and crying. Like how many people do we see and hear laughing and crying in the cities? Like, not that many, whereas most people have so many tears and so much sadness and anger welled up that it just becomes disease in their bodies. And so, I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the Canary, one of the Canary Islands now, and to see the amount of tourists just fat and unhealthy, and they just, it's like mostly older people, and they just have, <laughs> yeah, like they're still shopping, and they still are just 
like ha- chasing pleasure around. And it's, it's really feeling this kind of sadness, like, wow, you've already reached this age of 55, 60, 65, and still there's not this type of like giving back energy. You know, it's all just still, let's just have the, as much pleasure on this life before we die. And it's, it's this kind of, it's like, what are we doing as a, as a collective? You know, what are we teaching people from a young age? And I think this new generation is, is going to be brought up differently because they already see how the schooling system doesn't work. You know, but it's really about, it's really about persuading older people with more money and power to really give back. Like, is it really, you know, you can die with money in your bank account, but isn't it more worth it to give it away while you're, you're on this earth and to start putting that money into action and turning it into things that are actually beneficial for the next generation? Like, is it really necessary to have millions in the bank when you're, you're when you're really like just waiting for death you know so it's it's asking these questions how do we how do we engage the people with money and power and influence and how do we how do we make them realize that we're all in this together and it's not us against them it's about let's bring it all together like let's be friends you know like we can't do this fighting against each other right yeah, I think it really takes, you know, organizations like yours, you know, I guess stuff like what I'm doing, trying to bring this conversation out more, um, you know, and other people in the spaces to uh, invite those people to jo- to come sit with us, to come join us, to, you know, have an open mind, to learn a little bit about what we're going on. You know, uh, what really hit me when you shared the about the tourists walking around and shopping and being fat and all that stuff, it's like they... it. it, it it came to my mind once when I was working for, uh, I was working with my friends and we were doing social media marketing in New York and they, you know, their idea of fun would just be kind of like to do the same thing over and over again, go to the club, get the bottles, get the table, do this thing, you know, whatever, new shoes, new clothes, this kind of stuff. But it, it just, it becomes boring after a while and repetitive. And it's like, it's kind of sad because it's like, I had this realization that it was like, oh, this is what you guys think it is. This is all you know. This is what you think is enjoyment. This is what you think is like the the pinnacle of the human experience. Like this is how you, the culture and how society has told us to reap our rewards. Like they don't know any other way. So I think it's about like inviting people in, right? To say, yeah. there might be another way here. You're struggling with something. Maybe you're not feeling good deep down. You keep kind of putting these, getting these material things to fill you, fill those holes, but that's not working. Maybe there's another way, you know, come, come eat a truffle. <laughs> yeah, really. It really is all about eating a truffle. Um, and it's about having compassion for everyone in this society and the system and realizing that it's no one's fault. You know, it's just the images we've been shown when we were children and how and how rampant alcohol is like we see being able to buy a bottle of alcohol as like status you know it just it's a sad way to perceive what a good life actually is right and and it's really about more people waking up and then taking action and really just pouring their talents and resources and networks and just mobilizing 
every everybody and everything they can to move forward instead of seeking for one's own pleasure. It's about what can we do for the whole? Like, what can I do for the whole? Not what I can get from the whole. Um, so it's, yeah, sometimes it's about education and making videos and podcasts like yours. I mean, this is all the work that's necessary. And just to keep fighting the good fight and, and to know that it's an uphill battle and just to keep going anyway, because truth is the highest. And no matter what people say, if we're speaking the truth, you know, and if we're serving that which is greater than ourselves, then it doesn't matter what people say. Like, we know what our purpose is, and we know that we're going to return to the ground one day. And before we return to the ground and turn back into dust, it's, it's about realizing that and to, to share that message with other people as well. Yeah, I think that's such a, it's such an important message. It's such a powerful message to share. Um, you know, to, to, I think that every person has moments in their life when they can remember a time when they felt real, totally free, totally happy, and at peace, satisfied, content. And usually, you know, those times come when you're maybe doing something for someone to help someone else, just connecting with, with friends, with family, having an intimate conversation with someone, just having a good time with people that you care about. And I think that all these other things that we strive for or that the society puts up on a pedestal that we should value, you know, it's, it's like dangling a carrot in front of us saying like, oh, this is what it is, keep going. But I think everybody deep down knows what it really is. And yeah. when you're with somebody like yourself and, you know, like someone like me or, or people that I know, friends that I know, there is that sort of that welcoming, that compassion, that understanding to say, hey, it's, it's okay. You know, it's, yeah, it's not your fault. And, you know, there's, there's a, another game we could play. We don't have to play this this game, you know, we've been playing Monopoly for the past, you know, 10,000 years. We, let's play uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos or like, you know, whatever. Just like, let's play a new game, you know, and yeah. and and like, you know, we can we can definitely make that happen. Um, yeah. So so when did you when did you start the uh, the truffle therapy? When did this uh, this come about? I, I know you mentioned before earlier how you had these experiences that were very profound and led you to this journey. When did you actually take the step to say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something"? Yeah, well, I would say in last January, so about a year and a month ago, after a mushroom journey, I just realized, like, wow, there. There has to, like, I want to dedicate my life to something and I want to see if there's retreats happening. And there, we found one, which is Myco Meditations in Jamaica. Yeah. And we're like, wow, there's, there's people doing this. And so, you know, I had to deal with some karma. I had to make some money. So I returned back to the U.S. And then I moved to Amsterdam because I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm, I'm dedicating my life to something. And that was in late June. And then by late August, I had had a few journeys with truffles and, and yeah, it just was becoming clear that this was what my life was going to be. And the first thought was, okay, let's do ceremonies for people. And so, yeah, my partner and I, we just uh, created a, a website and we were brainstorming names and truffles therapy came up and the domain was available. So, you know, we didn't really think too deeply. Like we didn't think that it was going to turn into this movement that we're part of now we were just going to do ceremonies and um so yeah that was in late 
uh, August. And then after another journey, a little mushroom journey, we thought, okay, yeah, what if there's like a holiday where, what if we could create a holiday where we, where we, uh, where we celebrate magic mushrooms? And lo and behold, 920, you know, there's this organization called 920 Coalition. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're they're turning 920 into sort of the 420 of magic mushrooms and so within a month uh, within a few days we had truffles therapy website the first version up and then we had created an event on on facebook uh we were just going to do this one day event and it turned out that uh 200 people came to this um magic mushroom day conscious celebration that we put on and yeah and then we just we just started snowballing one into the other and yeah and then just things started happening and we started meeting people and and yeah just left and right we met with hundreds of people over the next couple of months and discussing how we should move forward and yeah now our team is is about 10 people and yeah we're growing quickly and pe we're organizing retreats and and we're just staying humble, you know. We've seen that as soon as our pride gets high, our uh, it, it's bound to be lowered again. So we're just always remembering that we're just servants and that we're nothing special and that we're we're nothing. We're we're really we're not gurus. We're not shamans. We're just people who are wanting to create space for other people to heal and. Yeah, so so yeah, now we have group retreats and people are bringing groups over and influencers are wanting to come and yeah, we have several big YouTube influencers. One who just came, he's making a video about us in the next week or so and yeah, we've been mentioned in the Sun in the UK and L Australia just wrote about us and we've been mentioned in the Psychedelic Times and we have writers coming left and right to our retreats, so yeah, I don't know what's happening. It's just all the mushroom happening. <laughs> yeah, the, it's it's we're mimicking the mycelium network in the human yeah. world. That's what I think yeah. is going on. I'm I'm in Denver, Colorado right now, and uh, before I got here, I connected with a guy that I had on the podcast a couple episodes back, Kevin Matthews, who's the campaign director for the initiative in Denver to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms in the city and county of Denver, and it's it's amazing what they're doing. Um, basically, they they got the vote on the ballot for May, so people yeah. can come out and vote to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms here in Denver. And and that I just think is, you know, once you decide and commit to a path of 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 growth and healing and learning and um, you know serving and and holding space and connecting, creating community, then you see that like all these doors start opening up as you walk down that path and you start connecting with people and synchronicity increases and and you're like wow like okay this is a whole world out here and there's other people that are on this journey too and they want to help you and you want to help them and and right. it, it can help bring these things to manifest it's it's amazing uh, i'm on your website right now truffles i love the little graphic you have it's uh it's it's adorable <laughs> it's our story and it tells the story of you and and letty's path and uh it says you know i i recommend people to go to to the website they have a tremendous amount of information here that you can check out and you can learn more about the team and their stories and there's videos and great information here but i'm just looking at this nice graphic and it has their path you that she 
you started in Paris, you started in New York. Then there was a corporate job. Then there was depression. Then there was poker. Oh boy. Yeah, I got into that too. Money, uh, monastic life, meditation. So it's, it's really nice to see that, that path laid out like, like that. I think a lot of people can probably relate to to those sorts of that journey, New York, depression, poker, money. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, man, I mean, there's so much to riff off right there. Um, First, the whole thing about being on a path, it really is true. Once we commit, it's like doors just open, you know, and the universe recognizes commitment. And it's really in the mushroom world, the mycelium world, the psychedelic world, well, maybe not the entire psychedelic world, but especially in the mushroom world, like everybody wants to support each other, you know, no matter what, like we're willing to put our egos aside if we're really, really mushroom people. Um, and yeah, the whole thing about, I mean, how is it going in Denver now? I mean, how do you, do you I mean, do you already see people? I mean, what, what kind of movement do you see on the ground there? Oh, it's amazing. There's so many people. Ever since I got here, I, I, I moved here in the beginning of January. Um, prior to that, I was, I was living in Peru. Actually, I was working at an ayahuasca center in Peru with my, my girlfriend. And, um, and uh, for, for a while, we were in the, in the Amazon jungle there. And so then, you know, we came back to the States and, and we were both just kind of, I'm from New York. We actually met in Peru. So I'm from New York. She was in Boston and she was traveling the world for a year and a half and we were like, well, where do we want to like settle down? Like, where should we move to? Like, I don't want to go back to New York. You know, she didn't really want to go back to Boston. And we were like, how about Denver? You know, I was looking at Denver for a long time. And, and the reason why I was looking at Denver and just Colorado in general is because they seem to be doing things here. They're one of the only states, uh, one of 22 states, I think, that where citizens can directly petition the government to change laws. I mean, I think it should just be that way for for all the states, but they're doing that here, and they did it with cannabis, and cannabis has become a part of the the mainstream culture here. It's accepted, and they have this basic model and this framework to work off of. So this campaign organization, Decriminalize Denver, they rallied the troops, and they got people involved. They got people on the ground. They, they collected over 9,000 signatures to get this vote on the ballot, and I'm seeing a really good nexus of creative community and and people who are passionate about healing and um using psychedelics for healing and you know particularly mushrooms that everybody has a story to share everybody has a journey uh to share and those things are really coming to the surface and really connecting people and so it's spreading it's growing i think it's really going to happen uh it's yeah. just about the one area that I see that uh, could could be a challenge or that could be the the main kind of focal point is to win over a conservative-minded base of people. But I think that they're doing a good job of this and other organizations are doing a good job of this by saying like, hey, you know, veterans who have served our country are coming right. home and they have PTSD and they're committing suicide. I think it's right. something like 22 veterans a day commit suicide. More veterans have killed themselves and have died in combat. And I mean, that's just, uh, you know, a mind fuck. It's just like, I know, because the things that they're doing over there, they're asked to do or that they've seen and then to cope with that. So there's so many amazing organizations. There's the veterans for natural rights. There's all these great groups here that are connecting with each other. The Denver psychedelic club, 
to help and support each other. And I think it's just about the messaging and it's about the communication of really just telling people like, hey, this isn't like a drug where we just want to party and, and do crazy things. This is like really something that could be beneficial for the community and, and really bring a, a sense of wholeness and togetherness uh, together. So I think that uh, yeah. it's really exciting to see what's going to happen here. Yeah. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And really, it just takes pioneers, right? You think like, I mean, it's amazing that Denver is doing this and, and you guys are really going to lead the way. And I think other states are going to follow. And it's just some people having the courage. It's really just like one person having the courage to be like, I'm going to do this regardless. I'm going to put my life on the line. I don't care what the government thinks. I don't care what the law thinks to be like, yes, I'm going to speak the truth, you know? And, and I think the more people think like this and the more people do it, the more power that people have. And it's really just, I think the whole mushroom movement is just bringing power back to the people. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy you guys are doing that there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm great to just be here, be a part of it and connecting with people. And, and I mean, like you're saying, it is this kind of global thing, right? It's like, it's, it's waking up all over the world though. The one thing that I think the internet is so good for is that we're able to, for the first time that we know of, you know, connect and see each other and see that, there's a difference between what we're being told and what we see for ourselves, what we're being shown and what we experience for ourselves. And yeah. a lot of people around the world are having this wake up. They're having this, this realization like, oh, okay, like there's, there's another way. There's people doing stuff. And like you said, it takes these pioneers. It reminds me of this great um, Terrence McKenna quote where he says, nature loves courage. You know, that, yeah. that like that in nature – if you make the commitment, nature is going to respond to that and it will remove obstacles. You know, the way that like a tree grows around a vine, you know, a vine will move around a tree and, you know, the nature will adjust itself. And, you know, really there's nothing that's, that's impossible that, you know, things that haven't been done before can happen if you have the right. will to do it. That's how... You know, that's how that's that's what we call magic, you know, in a sense, we're all right. we're all magicians, you know, we can think something in our heads, and we can have a picture of it. And then we can actually, you know, wave a magic wand that's only mediated by time, effort and energy. <laughs> and yeah. then it comes into fruition. And we're like, holy it, shit, this is cool. Yeah, you're you're so right. It really is that vision. And we have a lot of vision boards. And we have a lot of whiteboards that we write on just left and right. And it's amazing when we write something down, it just seems like the universe responds to that and brings us exactly what we need. Yeah. And it's, it's about more and more people having vision, like not being driven by the money chase, being internally motivated. What do I really want to do? What is my passion? What is my mission? What is my purpose? And really for, for men to become men again, mm. right? Like it, it's really about, it's not about how much money you make that is, makes you a man. It's about how internally aligned you are with your values, right? I respect someone who's making like woodcrafts and not making so much money than someone making a million dollars, but just selling his soul in a suit every day. You know, it, it's not even a question. And yeah, it's about it's about returning to humanity and and real manhood and real 
womanhood. Like womanhood is about supporting each other, a community, building, you know, having these motherly type uh, qualities. Because, I mean, what, what we see a lot in our retreats is people are just looking for mothers and fathers, right? They're just looking for people who care for them and love them. And it's about... It's about being able to share that love and to empty ourselves to a certain point where we don't have too many desires for ourselves. It's about more about the vision we have for humanity and how we can just play a role in that big vision. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it's reconnecting, getting back to sort of, you know, our our old sort of archaic ways uh, of of living you know a hunter gatherer community style living you know connecting with the earth being there to support each other bonding with each other those sorts of things you know we like to in our you know society now and what we call our modern civilization we like to think that like oh you know this is everything we're on this you know scientific you know, express train for progress and we're going to get to this ultimate thing. It's coming. It's almost there. But it's like, nah, the thing was always kind of right in front of us, you know? And and you brought up some really good points there about, you know, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. Can you can you explain a little bit more about that? I, I talk about that quite a bit on the show, and I'm very interested in learning about what, you know, your your from your perspective about what that means to you. Well, men, I mean, being a man, I think, as a human, and it's about growing spiritually and and working for the tribe, working for the community, and to give ourselves fully to life and to not, it's not about extracting, it's about giving. And really, it's about who our heroes are, who do we admire, who our masters are. You know, is it are the is it the billionaires? Like my 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 heroes used to be billionaires, right? And I wanted to be a billionaire in high school, and now it just seems so silly. Like why? It, it's just how we're conditioned in the society. So you know, now my masters, I've been really lucky to be around uh, Buddhist masters and meditation masters, people who have been spending decades in retreat, more or less, and. Also, people who are willing to just be activists, people who are willing to speak the truth, regardless of the potential cost to their reputation or even their life, you know, like I'm, I'm well aware that, you know, some of the things I say can be super controversial and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I've sort of accepted that I might get to a point where I say too much controversial things and I might just get blackmailed one day or someone might want to just silence me with a, uh, with a bullet in my head or something, you know? And it's, it's just, as a man, I think it's questioning ourselves. Like, what are we willing to stand for and what are we willing to die for? And who are we willing to link hands with and just be brothers with and to live live life and just help support each other instead of competing. And of course, like competition, yes, there might be some competition. Like, yes, especially when someone has a big vision, like the smaller people with smaller visions, they automatically don't like what they're doing. Like when we landed in Amsterdam, I mean, the backlash we got from people, the more conservative, especially the more scientific and research-oriented people, I mean, they sent us basically hate mail saying like, 
you guys shouldn't be doing this and you guys are just marketers trying to make a lot of money. And it's like, are we able to, to move past it and are we able to move forward without stopping because we have faith in the vision? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like testing ourselves as men, challenging ourselves, getting out of our comfort zones, you know, doing things that just we never thought was possible, like, like growing that, that 1% every day, pushing our limits that 1%, you know, like spending one less minute on social media, like following that impulse for, for the technology, like one, one less second, you know, and, and building on that. And yeah, I mean, that's for me, that's, that's what being a man is. Yeah, totally. It's like, and, you know, we get these messages that we should be, that men should be a certain way, you know, that we should be, you know, we should want uh, things and money and, and, and that we need status and that we need aggressive, hostile competition. We need to smash our competition and, and, uh, you know, that we, we shouldn't cry and we shouldn't share our feelings so much. And, you know, all this kind of bullshit uh, that that we get fed from such a young age too, you know, really helps kind of, you know, really helps mold and shape minds. You know, if you really want to mold and shape somebody to be how you want them to be, just get them at a young age because that's what they're doing. Um, I feel the way that you feel too. And I say things often that are controversial, you know, um, I'm wondering what are some of the things that you say that are that are confer- controversial that may be <laughs> in your in your mind because if there's any show to say anything controversial on it's this show for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I say things like, you know, we should we should abolish the government, you know, people should resist paying their taxes to stop funding, you know, wars overseas and all these crazy things that we should every you know, everybody should just do what they feel is right in their heart regardless of laws, you know, that, 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 you know, all of these kinds of things, we, we should really just live true to ourselves. What are some of the things that, that you're saying that maybe, uh, you, you know, some people think are controversial? Yeah. Well, it's about questioning everything, especially anybody who's telling us to think anyway, uh, question literally every person who's trying to make money, uh, and and it's not bad to make money like yeah let's all let's all do good things and have money pouring in that's great but let's question all the corporations their motivations right let's let's literally not listen to what any corporation says about their motives because i don't trust the bank to do anything good basically right, right? let's yeah. let's not get fooled by their philanthropy programs or their you know let's let's build community like no banks 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 their 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 products are are to are to put you know it's debt basically it's to put communities in debt and then to extract as much from the community and then to move on to the next community so yeah. don't trust anything the bank says they're parasites basically, don't yeah more or less and more or less don't trust anything the government says right i think this is once we start doing more mushrooms and truffles and psilocybin we start realizing like wow the, the most healing thing is illegal around the world. Like, let's really question governmental motivations. You know, there's a reason why mushrooms are illegal, this thing growing from the ground. And there's a reason why alcohol and tobacco is legal all over and even promoted, you know. Um, 
and it's to yeah it's to really see like machines and technology science like science Science as an institution, I don't really think they have human interests at heart. You know, I think they have science's interests at heart. They have, uh, they want to keep themselves as the authority. And my whole thing is, yeah, question authority. Like, forget authority. Listen to your fellow human beings. You know, like most people nowadays, they'd rather listen to a scientist on stage than to listen to their 10 neighbors that are saying the opposite things. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's probably the 10 neighbors that have uh, your best interests at heart, you know, more right. than more than more than the person on stage trying to sell you something. So, yeah, I mean, my whole thing is let's get back to circles. Let's let's respect native traditions. Right. Anything that tries to wipe native traditions off the face of the earth. Yeah. Let's not trust. Let's not trust that. Um, yeah. yeah. And just. Just question the whole money system, question YouTube, question Facebook, question Google, you know, question rich people saying certain things that make you like them, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, and basically really look at what AI is and look at what machines are doing and like really educate ourselves about the wars that are going around the world, you know, question the military. You know, question people when they say we have to support our troops. And then the next moment, when the troops get back from war, then they're nothing and they're just useless. And they're just they're, they're just cons they're just consumers for the alcohol and tobacco companies. Right. Yeah. Think for yourself. Question authority. Timothy Leary said it best. And uh, and, and you just elaborated on that uh, so well. So thank you for sharing that, because that's 100 percent the truth right there. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing this, you know, this sort of like blind obedience to authority, but it's, you know, it's something that's been conditioned in us, uh, from a, from a young age. And, you know, we have this, uh, proclivity to just listen to someone with a white lab coat on or, you know, with a suit and tie on, or when Google says, you know, Hey, our model is uh, don't be evil. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, usually it's like the opposite of what they're saying, you know, the, the Patriot act, right. It's like, all right, maybe it's the opposite of that or, you know, something like that. But um, exactly. Yeah. Whenever a politician <laughs> says something, think immediately the opposite, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the George Costanza principle, if you will, from Seinfeld, the, do the opposite. Yeah. And then there was um, something that you said earlier about, you know, yeah, we respect these billionaires, right? I mean, God, I'm on social media a lot because I have to do stuff for the podcast and things like that. I try not to get distracted into click holes and stuff, but I see so much stuff out there that's like, you know, wake up and hustle and grind and sacrifice and like, you know, just just get out there, make a billion dollars and start, you know, start a business and do this thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, some of that is okay, I guess, if you're like aligned for the right purposes, but just making money just for the sake of making money, it's like, what is that really, you know, doing? And who are you really serving? And I think it was exactly. Jason, Jason Silva, um, the great Jason Silva, I think that said, um, you know, the new definition of billionaire is help a billion people. If you can help a billion people, then you're a billionaire. If you, you know, that's new, beautiful. Yeah. The new definition of billionaire, millionaire, help a million people, help a billion people. That's your, right. that's your value. That's your contribution to the world. Right. Yeah. And this is this is really this is really beautiful it's really shifting our perception of what it means to be a valuable or a 
so-called good human being and you know also not trying to be good just be ordinary you know just it's okay like we're all gonna die one day you know you're nothing special and it's it's good to live humbly and to give at every instance and to serve and to grow spiritually you know that that chase for money especially you know just everything in the media everything in the music industry everything in the entertainment industry propels this idea that money is this thing to be chased it's like who's making these movies you know what is money money only has value if people think chasing it is this thing to do right if everybody stopped chasing money then money would start losing its value you know so it's really questioning like what is the system i'm in and who benefits from me chasing money like yes i can make a million dollars yes and i will have all these nice things yes but the time and energy i spend chasing these things and then i have a million and then i feel inadequate because i'm still a millionaire and you know billionaires have thousands and like tens of thousands more than me so i'm nothing so it's this kind of self-esteem issue like let's find our self-esteem in something other than the number that can come and go and that can literally lose value overnight you know if if a tsunami hits or if an asteroid hits the earth like what what's the difference between a dollar and a thousand dollars between a billion dollars and a dollar there's no difference we're all just human beings that are gonna be in this kind of crisis so it's realizing that what's what's beyond all the money what's beyond numbers right let's get to infinity let's get to eternity right i i see all these scientists and it's it's okay i mean science is definitely beneficial and it can change people's minds and also there's something beyond numbers there's something way beyond human thought and human theory right mm. humans have only humans have only been on this planet for 200,000 years right our scientific theories are just really an infant's way of looking at the universe yeah yeah, there's something beyond numbers. There's something beyond that. I had a mushroom experience. I think I had about eight grams of of mushrooms, and uh, I I had a very profound experience where I was um, being communicated to by the mushrooms. Uh, they were like, "Hey, we gotta." I actually released it as a podcast. I recorded, started recording myself because I just felt like, man, I, I I'm just the mushrooms are actually like speaking through me right now. So I have to communicate this message. And the message was that we fear what we don't understand. And we have this skin bag bias. We think that our meat human meat computer and our meat suit is like the thing. This is it. Like there's not there is no intelligence that's beyond this. And if there is, it 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 frightens us. Uh you know, it scares us. Not to me, it doesn't, not to you, not to people like that that get it, that understand this heart, you know, this, this symbiotic like harmony, this balance, this reciprocity that we can have with nature. But to the kind of, you know, the fear paradigm controllers and dominators, this is a scary thing. Oh my God. You know, there's something beyond numbers. There's something beyond science that's that's terrifying. There's this great book, and if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it by Rupert Sheldrake called uh, The Science Delusion, or uh, Science Set Free, as it was titled for the United States, um, where he basically says, like, there's more to this materialist, reductionist, physical world, and there's things that 
we can't quantify with just pure numbers and pure science. Yeah. There's, there's something else there. But yeah. what happens is you get into these institutions and these scientific studies come out and they want to make the study fit the old existing paradigm. So they, yeah. they tweak things. They, they don't, you know, so there's this dogma that exists and it becomes this sort of religion. When yeah. in fact, those of us who've had, you know, profound experiences know that's just another part of the machine. That's another part of the game. That's, some, uh, that's another piece of the illusion to crack. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's also a way to control how people think. You know, if people think in numbers and not infinity, then people are always thinking the bigger numbers are better or something like that. You know, a hundred is better than one or something like that. Um, and the more psychedelic experiences we have, the more journeys we go on, the more we realize wow, like everything is infinity, you know, it's all, we're just part of infinity. We're just the, we're just the manifestation of infinity and eternity right now and how lucky we are. And it's really about gratitude, right? Is gratitude really quantifiable? No, it's this kind of feeling that we just, that just bubbles up from the deepest parts of our spirit, this kind of this kind of humility and saying, wow, I have so much in my life. I have all my limbs. I've never missed a meal. I've always had shelter. Wow, how lucky am I? I've always had more than enough clothes. And wow, like how, how, and also realizing, also letting our self-centeredness really humble us saying, wow, I have everything and yet I'm still complaining about stuff, mm. you know? So it's like waking up to that which is beyond numbers, that which is beyond fear, that which is beyond the body and the mind, and really living in that, that light. You know, Jesus says something like, I am the light of the world, or only through me can you reach the Father, or something like that. And it's really seeing, like, yes, maybe Jesus had, maybe Jesus was saying something that had something very close to do with reality. Right? Maybe he hasn't survived throughout the centuries and the millennia. You know, maybe he hasn't survived on a hoax. Right? Maybe there is something to I am the light of the world. And what is that light? You know, like maybe it wasn't just maybe it's not something to make fun of. Right? Maybe it's something to realize, like, how do I get to that light? And also, I wanted to say earlier is, especially men. We need to put ourselves in situations and spaces where we can cry, mm -hmm. right? We just need to cry all these tears out, this trauma, this being systematized, this being turned into machines. Like this, this is such sad stuff. And basically all men, like I see, I see a lot of men, they have no expression. They, they're not free. They're just, they're like the, the way they move is like robotic. It's so limited, you know, and it's this kind of, psychedelics and mushrooms and dancing can just free us into being so much more full of expression and vulnerable and just to realize that we're just soft we're just these soft fragile creatures we're not these in invincible machines that can just be growing forever and that could just be that can be tinkered with in this biohacking way you know like Biohacking is great, and yes, it can lead to these more so-called optimal results in this material world, but all those optimal results, they're also temporary. 
like your body is still going to shrivel and die one day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. And it's that like, uh, that thought I think that haunts a lot of people because it's like, well, I can't go away. I can't disappear. I need to stay forever. I need to acquire as much as possible. And it's like, well, I think you're thinking about it from, uh, you know, the wrong way. I think that it's like, we're, we're in a movie right now. Let's enjoy the movie. And then at the end, when your life is over, you, you want to say, wow, that was a great film. I'm glad that I participated in that and I enjoyed that. Uh, I'd see that again, you know, <laughs> instead of being like, you know, I think uh, the tendency is to just kind of, holy shit, like what, you know, later in life, a lot of people have these realizations, but if we can have that realization earlier on, and and you, you mentioned infinity a couple times, and like, I just... I resonate with that so much. Another great book that I love is called Finite and Infinite Games by James P. Kars. And he talks about how there's two kinds of games in the world. One is the finite game where there's definitive winners and losers. And the other is the infinite game. And the infinite game is the game to keep the game going. That's the point of the game. The game is to keep the game going. To play the infinite game is to play the game for our species, for our reality. And I see, you know, people like you as, as having an understanding of, of knowing that, you know, this is the infinite game. This is the one that, that we play for our, you know, for our brothers and sisters, for our humanity, for our collective. Like, we know that what we, the things that we acquire and the things that we do are not limited, you know, just to this lifetime, that if we can make a change, that we can make an impact, that it can impact you know, the whole world, that it can change things right. for, for everybody in a, in a positive way. Um, right. So that's, right. you know, that's, that's really super important. And then something else that you said uh, earlier back was this kind of this respect for the ordinary, right? Like, I think that everybody's like just inundated with all these messages of like how you can be better and how you can improve and how you can lose weight and how you can have more th things that make you happy and how to get a bigger house and how to get a raise and how to, you know, make more money and how to have your money, make more money for you by investing and invest yeah. with us and do this and do that. And it's like, whatever happened, you know, and, and getting famous, being, you know, being social media famous or being a celebrity, you know, we, we look at these people and we revere them, but it's like, what about just the ordinary? Like, what about just yeah. your family? What about just spending time with your family? Have a cook dinner with your family, have a meal, sit down and share. You know, when I went traveling in Thailand and backpacking through Southeast Asia, I met with a lot of local people who were warm and invited me into their home for a nice bowl of soup. And it was like one of the best times of my life because it's like I'm I'm getting to sit there and share my experience and connect with other people other people of this human family and those are the moments and those are the things the ordinary you know coming home you know being with your family raising your children these things are the things that need to be upheld as like the values I think that we care about right right yeah and this is yeah, this is really the returning to nature and, you know, like really respecting indigenous ways. And also, I mean, I think shame, like really feeling into our shame, you know, especially as men, you know, not being able to, I mean, I feel it. I, I sometimes feel overwhelmed by my, my, sometimes I feel like I, I, I'm so small in this sea of suffering and it's to really feel what that feels like what it feels like to feel small and insignificant and powerless and also to know that 
once we feel these things, we can feel what everybody is feeling and to, and to not cover things up, you know, and, um, yeah. And to also hold space for people's shame and, and guilt and vulnerability and letting people speak their truth without trying to change them or direct them in a certain way. And it's, you know, what it really is, is it's that return to the feminine receptive, that yin, that, that caring, that loving. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, man, what we see is everybody needs mothers, you know, we've been really seeing in our retreats and yeah, like everybody just needs that soft comfort of that mature woman who doesn't want anything from them, but just wants them to be happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, this other book that I, I read a little while ago called um, Iron John, and it's it's all about men and 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 how we can like come into our power and and be real respectable, you know, in touch with our feminine, these sorts of things. And in the book, Robert Bly he mentions that we've abandoned the the mother goddess we've abandoned the idea of the of the god as mother and all of the you know the the progress that we've made in the, whatever the last 10,000 years or something like that has been centered in the sky father the the male god figure you know the the one male figure that that is you know the the benevolent dictator so to speak but we've totally severed our connection with the earth loving mother spirit and yeah that needs to come back if we want to be fully men and if we want to be fully women if we want to integrate ourselves wholly and completely with the energies that we embody and that we vibrate on and and immerse with on a a daily basis so that's super important and then you mentioned holding space and allowing people to open up and without judgment and not you know trying to change people and you know this motherly care you know, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the retreats and and some of the things that you've experienced and some of the people that you've, 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 you've held space for and witnessed, you know, their transformation coming through. What are some of the things that you see people coming to your retreats, the baggage that they have and how that process unfolds for them? Yeah. I mean, every person is different. For our private retreats, we get mostly um, wealthy men in their 30s and 40s and 50s who have money but no purpose, uh, have some kind of depression, anxiety, and they're just looking for, yeah, they're looking for vision. They need vision. And, And a lot of them, I mean, man, their traumas are so deep. You know, they've been going in this one direction for so long. Like they've just dedicated their life to money, success, and it just hasn't brought them happiness. And it's this kind of existential crisis that they face. And yeah, like, I mean, we hope that, I mean, we see that one retreat really makes a difference. And also, we know that. These guys, they basically just need to just take the radical step of just getting out of their day-to-day routine and spending some time in nature. Yeah, nature and psilocybin will heal about any uh, mental illness uh, that is uh, in this world. And so, 
Yeah, that's what we see. A lot of shame and a lot of just just discontent and like restlessness. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, and for our group retreats, we see a lot of, um, young women and also middle-aged women, of course, men as well, but a lot of young people, they're, they're just lost, right? They, they feel like they don't have these kind of mentors and they're all looking for mentors. You know, they, they're, the way our society is functioning now is basically to initiate like the initiation process into the our adult world is crazy like these kids they mostly go to university they're put into debt um they're just forced to sell their souls and yeah it's just like it it's just so sad for these young people yeah, um it's a tragedy yeah it it, it re- it's like it literally is a tragedy you know and so we see this and and more and more we want to do by donation retreats uh, in the future. And, you know, we feel that this stuff should be free for everybody who wants to experience it. And we're doing our best to build up different operations like with medicinal mushrooms and with uh, mushroom jewelry lines so that we can have income coming in from these scalable businesses so that we can put on these by donation retreats for anybody who wants to have them. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, we want to be able to serve everybody and we want to be able to serve. We don't want money to be a uh, limiting. I mean, a lot of people struggling with with money, Mike, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we just really feel for these people. And we want to, I mean, we poured all our savings into this and, you know, we're we're sort of uh, we're, we're running low on funds. And now but now it's funny because the funds are running out faster, but they're also coming in faster than ever. So. Yeah, it's this kind of crazy initiation into the mushroom world as well as they force us to give up everything and to give everything before they see like, okay, yeah, you guys have given everything. You guys have, you guys, you guys are really dedicating to yourself, to the movement. So we're really going to reward you. And so with these rewards that the, what that the psilocybin gives us, yeah, we just want to keep pouring it into, oh, hold on one second. Sure. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. No problem. Do you do you hear the ring in the background? Uh, I'm not hearing a ring now. Okay. Uh. Bu- 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 okay. Hold on one second. Oh gosh, where is this coming from? Oh, okay. Stop. Okay. Okay, so we're just gonna X this out. Sorry about that. That was that was Facebook right there. That was my dad calling. My dad, my dad and I have had a very difficult relationship, and he's been here actually twice um, for two, one month at a time, and he had several journeys. And so, yeah, my dad is an amazing. Um, he's an amazing um, example of how much shift can happen. I mean, he lost all his money in the real estate crash in two thousand eight. And basically, my sister, me, and my mom, we sort of, it was difficult to be with him. So he was, he sort of felt ostracized and he just got, you know, he just got purely depressed and yeah, just been dealing with like depression for 10 years. And he came here, did two truffle journeys, completely opened up. And um, yeah, like I've witnessed a miracle in my dad. So 
like this is why my life is dedicated and I don't really care about what happens to my own life and that I'm willing to just die for this die for this movement is I I've seen how much shift it can happen. I I've seen the darkness and I've seen the light and you know, the light is the light is the light and it's always here and and my life regardless of how long or short it is, I want to spend every moment just giving myself to the light. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's that's powerful. I think that when you have a direct experience yourself and then you witness other people having direct experiences that you care about, you like your dad, your family, you know, different, you know, friends and people like that that you re- it's a real testament to the true nature of the transformative power of this amazing piece of nature that we get to commune with. Um yeah, yeah it's it's and and it, and it may it's an it, you may you become like an instant convert because it's like, well, this is this is the this is real like this is really real so that's amazing that you were able to bring your dad in there and and he was able to go through some profound transformational journeys um i want to talk a little bit more about the retreats and kind of like what they look like and and those sorts of things and then i have some uh some listeners uh questions that came through um that that i like to ask too yeah um so the so it's in Amsterdam, uh, are, and you, you know, is it in uh, the city or is it where is it located? What does it look like when when people show up, and how does it kind of uh, play out? You know, day to day. Can you give a little kind of uh, you know, little description, I guess, of of what people can expect when they when they attend? Yeah. So our retreats are right now. We're always uh, we're always looking for the best retreat centers in nature, and right now we're renting out like pretty darn luxurious places uh, in nature and longer term, you know, we want to get our own place that we can rent longer term because then we have more control over the setting and we don't have to go back and forth with our equipment and everything like that. Um, So yeah, it's like, you know, someone applies and then we have an initial call. And then after the initial call, if we feel like it's a good fit, you know, we take care of the the payment and we take care of all the logistics and basically from the time someone applies like they're part of our lives we open ourselves up to you know just any contact like we're always here to just give our time and listen and answer any questions alleviate any concerns and and then you know, someone arrives on the day of the retreat or a little earlier if they want. And then we have this, most of our retreats are from Friday to Monday. And we have the central uh, pickup point, And then we take a shuttle out to the retreat center. And then the first day is just getting to know everybody else. And of course, this is talking about group retreats. And yeah, just relax. It's mostly about just relaxing. Like really our nervous systems so stressed and the idea is just to relax without a too much of a rigid schedule and to commune with nature to commune with other human beings without wanting anything from anybody or and also being in an environment where nobody wants anything from us it's this kind of mutual love and respect and community and the the next day everybody wakes up it's um breakfast and then yin yoga meditation and then in the afternoon time, it's about just relaxing the body and mind so that people are ready for the journey. And then it's the group journey. And then, of course, everybody stays up late, usually just talking about the insights they had. 
And then the whole next day is about just integrating, making friends, community, eating. And then we also have vision boarding sessions for people of what they want to create in their life uh, moving forward and what kind of changes they want to make. And then, you know, the, and then just community time, nature time. And the next day it's breakfast, closing circle, cleanup, and then everybody goes. And afterwards, we just open ourselves up to being contacted anytime and people exchange contact information. So we're really, we really understand the importance of integration and to have that open channel of communication we find is super important. And, um, and, and, and that's for the group retreats and for the private retreats, it's basically purely customizable to any amount of days, any amount of nights. Um, and yeah, it's, it's usually two or three guides with you the whole time. And yeah, we can go from one to three or four psilocybin journeys during the retreat. So the private retreats are, it's, it's like flying first class. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. Of course, you have to have the financial stability to be able to do it. But also, yeah, if you have the financial stability and basically healing is your number one priority, I mean, the the transformations we've witnessed in our private retreats is beyond anything that words can express, basically. Amazing. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, for myself, one of the most powerful things, I mean, I've had very powerful psychedelic experiences by myself, very powerful mushroom experiences by myself. I, I, I had been doing a lot of like heroic doses and private, you know, in, in, with myself and then, uh, but getting together with people and connecting with other people and then being vulnerable, opening up and shedding all fears, all shame, all guilt, and then connecting with others, you see that like, oh, everybody is the same. Like we're all going through the same thing. And it's so refreshing to just be able to let that go and to just be in a space and a place where that's welcomed and accepted. And yeah, I mean, so that's, that's amazing. I I would like to uh, attend one day and, you know, I have, um, I have some, uh, some questions here from some of my listeners who maybe would like to attend as well. And uh, so what they say is, uh, the first question is, um, are you doing this in the traditional sh- shamanic way or are you doing this in a clinical medical way? That's the, fir- the first question. Yeah, well, we do our best to combine the best of both worlds. I mean, I come from a Buddhist retreat background. I spent about 16 months in various monasteries and retreat centers. So um, in that way, it's very spiritual and Buddhist. I don't know if I would call it shamanic. Like I've been to some shamanic ceremonies and it's not for everybody. You know, there's usually like a main shaman and some helpers and it's, more like directed and controlled, whereas we take more of a, we control the setting, but the journey is completely up to the person. Like we, we lay them down on a mat or bed and then we put eye shades on. So that's very clinical. Um, but the, but the music we play is like extremely spiritual and it's Buddhist music and chanting and like really just some of the highest vibration, some of the most angelic, like loving, peaceful music. Um, so that's, yeah, we, we take the best of 
everything we've ever encountered and we incorporate it into our retreats. Sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds really nice. Um, Next question is, uh, what is the difference between a truffle and mushrooms? <laughs> that seems, oh, maybe we should have yeah. answered, maybe we should have got to that in the beginning, but I mean, good question, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a really good question. So mushrooms are actually illegal in uh, Amsterdam and Netherlands. They banned it in 2008 after some story came out that a girl jumped off a third story building. So, uh, and, and later on it was said that, they found no traces of mushrooms in this girl. So who knows, right? Who knows what's happening? Mm. Um, smells like propaganda. Trump, <laughs> it, 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 there, there might be a hint of it, yeah. Um, and in, But truffles were actually left off the list of banned substances. So they're, they're 100% legal. They're sold widely in smart shops. So truffles are the underground part of the mushroom. So the mushroom is a fruiting body, and the truffles are what the mycelium form when the conditions aren't ripe for a mushroom to grow. So if the soil isn't right, if the temperature isn't right, if the moisture isn't right, then these mycelium sort of curl into each other to form these storage energy balls full of food and water so that when the conditions are ripe, then the truffles actually blossom into mushrooms. And because mushrooms were banned, all these mushroom growers had to find some other business um, uh, models. So now they create these conditions where they stress the mycelium so that the mushrooms can't grow and that only truffles grow. Mm. So does that affect the, uh, the, the effect or is it the same, oh, the same effect? Absolutely not. It's basically, I mean, it both contains psilocybin and psilocin. Some people say mushrooms and truffles are different teachers and some prefer one to the other. But it's really, it's all the same. I mean, I've had some amazing truffle journeys and I've had equally as amazing mushroom journeys. So nowadays it's, 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 it, I see it as basically the same thing. Okay, great. Yeah. And, um, so the, uh, actually the next question is from Ben. The other question was from uh, someone else. Uh, ben says, uh, how do you feel about Terrence McKenna saying, don't be afraid to go it alone? I don't know if you're familiar with with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like when I journey, I basically go alone in my room and I put eye shades on, no music, and I'm just there with me myself. And I usually cry a lot. Basically, I just weep a lot, and sometimes I laugh too. Um, but also at the same time, I rarely do it purely alone. I want my partner there in another room, just available if I need something. And she usually comes two or three hours in. And yeah, it's basically like part of the journey is her coming in and me saying all these things to her that she just opens up her ears and just is there holding space. Um, because there, I mean, when it comes to like water and, you know, I have a lot of mucus coming up when I take big journeys and if I ever need to go to the bathroom, like if anything happens like, or if anybody by any chance knocks on the door, like I don't want to be there alone, basically. Right, right. You know? Um, Trip sitter, yeah. So, yeah. But I would say for the higher doses, yes, it's definitely beneficial to have a trip sitter. And also on the lower doses, like 
you know, one gram, one and a half grams. If you have experience, like it's okay to do it yourself. You're not going to run into any major issues. Um, it just depends on your constitution. Like I would say, yeah, a heroic journey, I would always want someone near me. Yeah. And that's, uh, usually five grams or more. Um, yeah. And, and I would also say test the limits, like question the whole five gram thing. You know, you can definitely have way more than five grams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. You can, uh, maybe it's a good place to start, but yeah, I think you feeling out your constitution, like feeling out what you're capable of, you know, if you've maybe if you've never done it before, maybe start with something low, or maybe if you've never done it before, just dive in and see if you could swim, you know, I mean, like you did with your five tabs in the beginning of your journey, I definitely did that too. I took, you know, a large dose that just cracked me right into the world. And I was like, Oh, okay, right. cool. So it's kind of just knowing what you're capable of what you can handle, you know, set and setting space, you know, all these sorts of things are very, very important and substance, which leads to the next question, which is what, um, What's the amount, the dosages that you guys are working with? Oh, gosh, we get asked this literally every single time. Um, you know, like we weigh it out and it really depends on you, basically. It depends on the person coming in. Like it's not cut and dry. Right. Like these are these are things coming out from the ground. And so, yes, of course, they're sold in these packages of 10, 15, 20, 22 grams. But also, like, somebody might not be ready for 20 grams. Some people might, like, my dad's first journey was 70 grams, and he had such an amazing time, you know? And then his next journey was 15 grams, and he said it was so powerful. Whereas for me, I'm always pushing the limits, and 30, 40, 50 grams is, like, wow. what I want to do if I want to do any kind of serious journey. Like, sometimes I'll just have a few grams here and there just to feel my emotions and to maybe clear a little things some things up but um it really depends and it's really feeling into how ready you are like we just had a private client he was a a, a popular youtuber i mean he has five hundred thousand subscribers and he's making a video about us and we're really excited about that and he had like 44 grams so you know he was ready for it because he's a mushroom person but yeah usually if someone is not it also depends on how much of a support system someone has when they go back because a journey, like a heroic journey can, especially if we're beginners, can completely shift the way we see the world. And so if we don't have anybody to talk to that has had experience in this, it might lead to some dark states of depression. Like we might feel like we're ostracized or left out or feel like we're, we, we don't have anybody to talk to. So we're really careful with considering all the factors. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. It is. It's, you know, everything that we do in our lives, it's dependent upon what, how capable we are to handling that, you know, the kind of music we listen to, the kind of food we eat, the, you know, whatever alcohol we drink, whatever it is, we all have a certain, you know, knowledge of ourselves, our bodies, how we interact with different foods, different substances, different things. So yeah, it's all about feeling that out. That's, that's wonderful. Um, and you mentioned this before, I think, about leaving open uh, space for people to connect with you after the retreat. Uh, the next question is about any integration services that are offered or recommended. Well, I mean, you know, there's integration services popping up left and right. Like there's Wesley, who is 
uh, runs Psychedelic Times. He's a he's I, well, he's one of the main writers. He runs he and his partner run this coaching service called uh, Being True to You, and that's like you know they they're specialized in addiction. And then Maps also has an organization part of them called Psychedelic.Support. That's the domain name, and they have all these professionally listed. Um, uh, you know, therapists and counselors. Um, and also on our website, tripsitters.org, we list all the um, psychedelic communities and societies around the world. So like, like we're really growing so fast that we're, 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 we're just basically open. Like we say one integration call after we're available, but basically once a person has a journey with us, like we're basically always with you anytime you need help. We, we feel responsible for your, um, yeah, your journey in life. Like we want to be there during your ups and downs and we want to hear how the psychedelics have changed your life. So we're always open to conversation. Of course we're, we're busy a lot and we, we can't always be available 24 seven, but as soon as there's a free moment, like, yes, we, we want people to contact us and tell us how they're doing. And just to have that space for people to, you know, to talk is, is important. Um, but yes, also we're developing more like group integration things, circles. I mean, in Amsterdam, we do group integration circles as well, you know, and it's just, it takes so much energy to organize these things. And it takes like, we're dealing with people's heaviest traumas. And so sometimes it's, it, it's so much for us that we have to take a break. Sometimes, you know, we, we want yeah. to keep ourselves from feeling that they have something called a compassion fatigue is when we're giving a lot. It's like we can just get really like irritable because we feel like we're not taking care of ourselves. So it like, it's, it's really a balance. We do our best to be there for everybody. And also we understand that we might be disappointing sometimes because, you know, we're just 10 people and we're holding space for you know, we've held space for 60 people already and more and more people are coming left and right now. So we do our best and also please be patient with us as we uh, grow and as we really put the systems in place so that we can uh, make things flow more smoothly for everyone. Great. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the times people coming from this world will go somewhere. I've seen this with people coming down to the a retreat center that I was working at in Peru. And it's like, you know, I, I want it to be this way and you, you have to do this. And, you know, just this kind of like the, this high level demand of perfection that we're used to in, in our culture, you know, where, oh, the, you know, the, the internet went out for a second and now my life is miserable and you owe me a hundred dollars now because, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, here you are as just a group of people with this vision, with this idea, with this project, you know, trying to help other people and holding space and those sorts of things. And it's like, if you, I think if you view it in terms of like a collaborative effort, like, hey, we're all doing this thing together, you see the human side there. I hope people got to see the human side of you, you know, here on this show and they understand your background and where you're coming from. And it's like, you know, when you're, when you're helping people, it's not always going to be perfect but you're going to try to do your best. And then, you know, if you can meet me halfway and try to do your best, then it's like, cool, we got a, we got a cool thing going on here. Not this kind of like cold machine, like, 
you know, transactional, demanding, materialist viewpoint, but this heart-centered compassion of coming together. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. That, that, that's beautiful, Chi. Um, so yeah, we're about wrapping up now. Those were the listener questions. Thanks, guys, for submitting those questions before the show. Um, I want to leave listeners with, uh, well, number one, where they can go and, you know, where they can find you. And I'll put all those links in the show notes and those sorts of things. But also, if you want to just touch on something maybe that you want to share, that you want people to learn or, or that you want people to know or a, a message that you want to leave, leave people yeah. with. Yeah, just love one another. Really, I mean, this is the teaching of all the spiritual teachers is love one another, be generous, share. You know, be be with one another, hold space, volunteer, give. You know, life is not about what I am getting. It's about what I am giving. And if we can all make that shift slowly but surely, I mean, humanity has a chance. Yeah. Yes, it does. Humanity has a chance, folks. You, hear, you heard it here first from Chi of Truffles Therapy. Check them out, truffletherapy.com. Anywhere else they should go to, to follow you guys? Uh, truffles therapy and also we have tripsitters.org which is our we list all the other trip sitters and and retreat centers uh psilocybin ones in the world and yeah we want to democratize this thing and and um make make all the information available it's all about building networks and um yeah and then yeah please come visit us in amsterdam we look forward to uh meeting meeting some of you in person yeah, thanks. Um, I hope that uh, that people do. I hope too. And um, you know, I think this is just a great thing because oftentimes you can think, oh, maybe I'll just take some mushrooms or with my friends, or I'll do something, you know, by myself or something like that or whatever. But the value of getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of your environment that you're used to, and bonding and connecting with other people and going through, uh, you know, a, a professional, carefully cultivated set and setting is uh it can have profound benefits so i highly encourage people to check that out and to to get out there and and do the thing that you know that is gonna help heal you the most and, and open up so thanks again chief for coming on the show talking about all this stuff i really loved all your insights and and everything that you shared in your mission your vision and what you're doing here with truffles therapy and trip sitters so uh congrats to you i wish you best of success and uh hope to see you on my journey in the uh in the future Thanks so much, Mike. We'll stay in touch. Thanks. You got it. Thank you. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell. Share it, spread it, like it, all that good stuff. If you if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com, patreon slash Mike Brank, and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank, and you can donate as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you want. Help support the show that way as well. But remember, I love you guys no matter what you do. I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts. Message me. I like hearing feedback. Get in touch with me on Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast, Mike Brank on Facebook as well. And um, thanks to our sponsors, Synchro and Hemp Bombs. If you want 
discount on ketogenic and plant-based nutrition products, go to Synchro and type in the code uh, Mikeadelic at checkout to get 20% off. And they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called Keto Mana that I have all the time because it's has like no sugar and carbs in it. So it's great. And, um, and it's delicious. And if you want CBD, uh, go to hempbombs.com and get 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.